Everybody say resurrection power. John chapter 20, verse 21 and 22 says, again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. When God breathes on your situation, things begin to change. And this video clip is a classic video clip, and I remember when they used to play it all the time around Easter, and and it's old, but yet it has such profound impact because it shows that God is breathing on a situation and, and that when God breathes on a situation, all of a sudden, it miraculously delivered the people out of Egyptian bondage. And, and we know that prior to that, there was the 10 plagues and, and they were going out and they started, started pursuing their destiny, going to the promised land. And then all of a sudden, they came up on the obstacle of the Red Sea, and you had the Red Sea before them, and you had the Egyptian army coming down, bearing down them, and Pharaoh's army was there, but like the song says, they were, they were between the devil and the deep blue sea, and, and instinctively, instead of praying, they began to complain. And isn't that an amazing thing, that instead of praying, even though they had seen these 10 amazing miracles in their life, Once again, it was ingrained in them to complain. Why did you bring us into the wilderness to die? Would not it have been better to die in Egypt? Everybody say resurrection power. But what the children didn't understand was that God was turning their obstacle into possibly one of their greatest miracles. So many times that if we would begin to pray first, we would begin to realize that God is going to turn this situation, this crisis, this obstacle into the greatest miracle in my life. And I prophesy to you that if you get the understanding, you get the insight of resurrection power and how it is available to you this hour, then all of a sudden the obstacles that, that you think that you're facing, you begin to look at them and say, no longer is it an obstacle, but now it's going to become my greatest miracle. God, I'm asking you to breathe on this situation just like what you did in the Red Sea moment for the children of Israel. Lord, I want you to do that in my life. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 21 and 22, then Moses raised his hand over the sea and the Lord opened up a path through the water with a strong east wind. Strong east wind. The word there is ruach. The wind blew all that night, turning the seabed into the dry land. So the people of Israel walked through the middle of the sea on dry ground with walls of water on each side. God caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind. See, when God breathes into a situation, suddenly life is given. When God breathes into a situation, things begin to happen in our life. When God breathes into a situation, everything changes because of his resurrection power this hour. And it's interesting because in Exodus 14, verse 21, as I mentioned, 
it talked about the word ruach, which means wind by resemblance, breath that is sensible or even violent, exaltation or figurative life. Mark chapter 16, we know that when before Jesus ascended, we read it in John 20, that he breathed on them. Well, what did he breathe? Verse 15, and he told them, go into the world, preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses will be condemned. These miraculous signs, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. And then it says in verse 19, when the Lord had finished talking with them, he was taken up to heaven. He sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand, and the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. Jesus said, signs, follow them that believe. Jesus said, signs, follow them that are seeing things. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you believe in the finished work that he did on the cross, if you believe in the resurrection and on the third day, Jesus was raised from the dead and, and got the keys to death, hell, and the grave, then signs should be following your, your life. Why? Because you have authority in the name of Jesus. Why? You have the Holy Spirit in you who's working through you. And your purpose, everybody say, my purpose. Your purpose with his resurrection power is to be able to preach the gospel, to be able to cast out devils, to be able to heal the sick, to be that house of miracles in people's life. Right now, for example, 9 o'clock, 9 o'clock service, you have two people that regularly attend who are in the hospital at Moberly Regional Medical Center, Carol Lees, and, 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 and I'm, I'm going just, Gary, Gary and, and, and Hutton, and, and both of them need just the breath of God to breathe into their situations. And, and so take a moment and say, God, I send your word, I send your healing power into Carol and, and Gary's body right now in their Jesus' mighty name, because you have that right, and you have the resurrection power. Everybody say resurrection power in you to be able to do those things. You have that authority. You've been commissioned. It's not the great suggestion. It's the great commission. The word commission is the authoritative word as the act of committing or entrusting a person, a group, etc., with the supervisory power or authority, an authoritative order, charge or direction. God is trusting you, Family Life Fellowship, to get his message out. God is trusting you to get his message out. You know, around the building, you'll see these great hunt flyers, and we can get more if we need to. But last Tuesday, and Wes and I went out in, in our evangelism small group, and we just posted flyers. And I was telling Wes, I said, you know what? You never know who might look at a flyer, say, you know what? I'm going to take my kids to an egg hunt, hear the gospel message, and get saved. I said, you never know who is going to just see a flyer. Because he was probably thinking, well, that flyer doesn't have any gospel message on it. That flyer, what is it really doing in life? You know what? In the natural, it's not doing a lot. But it's a seed. It's a water. It's a fertilizer. It's, it's something to say, man, we're going to present the gospel in an incredible way. Because why? We're commissioned. And so what happens so many times is we miss the simplicity of showing and sharing. And so I want to encourage you to take one of those flyers. Don't leave it in your car. Don't put it on your refrigerator because you don't need it. You're already saved. Come on, say amen. 
But to find a place, maybe your workroom, boardroom, maybe you walk in a convenience store, what, uh, whatever it is. And you know what? Say, you know, I can post this up somewhere. And then pray over it that there's an anointing on it. That's what we prayed. We prayed over those flyers. And I said, those flyers are anointed. And they're going to draw people. And it was incredible what God is going to do. And so last week, in this Resurrection Power series, we looked at the, the life of Mary Magdalene. And this week, I want to look at one of the central characters that Jesus used to establish the New Testament church. His name initially was Simon. But later, his name was changed to Peter. When the wind of Jesus blew on his life, and suddenly one of the most unlikely candidates became front and center, beginning the greatest religious movement that the world has ever known, why? Because he operated in resurrection power. And it can be the same for you. Everybody say resurrection power. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for the next 10, 15 minutes that I can just encourage and stir up the resurrection power in every believer. And Father, no matter how many times we've messed up, no matter how many times we've failed, how many times we've denied you, we're maybe just like Peter, but yet something transformed. The trajectory of Peter's life changed. And that's what I speak into our lives, Father, that we'll have a holy boldness in Jesus' name. Amen. Peter lived in the town of Capernaum near the Sea of Galilee, and he and his brother grew up in a fishing village, and, and they were born into a family of fishermen. So it was an obvious choice for them as they grew up in the culture of that day to follow the family fishing business. And, and then they eventually became the owners of the fishing business. But what has amazed me, here they were, these successful business owners, but yet they were still intrigued by the things of God as evidence that they traveled to hear John the Baptist, who was preaching a message, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand at the Jordan River. Now it was around that time they heard the good news that was spreading around Galilee, that there was a dynamic teacher, there was a miracle worker that was coming to town. And you start hearing those things, and, and you imagine the great excitement, you imagine the anticipation, because being Jewish, they all knew the prophecies of the coming Messiah. They must have thought, is this him? Is this the promise? Is this the Messiah? Is this the guy that's going to deliver us out of Roman rule and reestablish the kingdom? of God on earth and all that kind of stuff. And then when Jesus first meets Peter, Peter's married. He had a family. He owned a fishing business. We know he was a hard worker, but he also knew that there was something more to life than what he was experiencing. You ever felt that way, that there's something more to life than you're experiencing? And he had a longing in his heart for something greater. He was, yeah, life was good, and 
life is amazing, but, but man, there's something greater. And even as, as I'm getting ready to turn, you know, 59, I'm like, man, God, there, I still have that unction inside me that there's, there's something greater than what I'm experiencing. There's something more. And it's that, that resurrection power that is, is something that, man, it's just got to explode out of life. And, and, and I love it because when Peter first encountered his mother, Mother Jesus, Peter's mother-in-law was sick with a fever. And he asked Jesus to come and heal her. And Jesus entered into Peter's house. And he rebuked the fever. His mother-in-law was totally healed. But yet, there was something more. See, it was in that moment that he witnessed a miracle firsthand of the power and authority that Jesus possessed. But it wasn't that miracle that changed his heart. It was that miracle that caught his attention, but it was something later that transformed his heart. It was an event later that changed the trajectory of his life. And this series of resurrection power can do the same for you you if you get it. Because, see, I believe that there's a lot of you in the house today like Peter that many of you are receiving your validation of your identity through your career, through your status, through whatever it is. And see, Peter was a business owner. That's who he was, and he was good at what he did. But later in the Bible, after the crucifixion and the resurrection, Peter returned to the fishing business. Why? Because it's what he knew. It was what he was comfortable with. When he was under pressure, that was his escape. Because, see, he needed an escape because his world had been turned upside down by Jesus' death. Have you ever had something in your life turn your world upside down? See, when, that, when your world gets turned upside down, what do you use as an escape? What do you use as an escape? And the wind of Jesus was about to interrupt what Simon Peter thought he wanted in life. The wind of Jesus was about to really reveal God's destiny for his life. That the more that was intrinsic on the inside of him that he wanted to experience, suddenly he was going to experience the more that God had for his life. And and so the question is, do you really want to experience the more that God has for your life? Do you really want to experience the the, the more that, that God has for your life? Because that's why our theme is so be it. Because if you want it and you say, God, so be it, amen, then you're going to begin to experience his resurrection power that will transform your life. And the problem is, why is it so often we settle for the mundane when God is calling us to more? Why are we so satisfied with where life and ministry and business and health and careers and whatever it is in our life, why are we settled for that when God wants us to experience more? Everybody say more. See, I don't believe that we're called on this earth to live a nice, normal, merely existing life. Because out of all generations, before and after, 
God chose you to be born at this time, in this generation. And we're not just here taking up space. We're here to unlock heaven on earth. We're here, as we're going to talk about in April, to be a house of miracles. We have the keys to the kingdom because of his resurrection. And because of his resurrection, we can have more of God. We get more of the Father. We get more of the Son. We get more of the Holy Spirit and his resurrection power. We never get to the place where he's finished revealing himself to us, but there's always more. Everybody say more. The question is, are you going to allow more to come into your life? Are you going to allow more to come into your life? And this was the case for Peter. He was about to experience more. And it's interesting because one day Jesus was walking along the coastline and he saw a lot of empty boats and the fishermen were washing their nets. And of all the boats on the coastline and the shoreline, on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus stopped at Peter's boat. He stopped at Peter's boat. And right now, Jesus is stopping at your life. And it's interesting because Jesus said, Peter, thrust out a little bit from land. And as Jesus got on the boat and Peter launched out. Jesus began teaching people from the boat. At that moment in life, the best that Peter had was his boat. In a matter of speaking, it was to build a platform for the gospel to be preached. And Jesus was preaching from the platform of Peter's boat. But you can't miss it because all it is is a seed. It's a seed here in Luke 5 to a harvest that's going to happen in Acts 2. It's going to transform from, 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 from Jesus preaching from the boat to Peter when he experienced the resurrection of power to going out into the streets and sharing the good news of Christ and 3,000 giving their hearts to Jesus. See, giving, giving is always likened to a seed. And whenever a seed is sown into good ground, you can always expect a harvest from that seed. Everybody say resurrection power. So we are putting a seed in your heart. We're saying here's a seed that, that if you can't post a flyer on an egg hunt, then whatever is going to give you an opportunity to be able to share the gospel with somebody in a most difficult situation in their lives. And what excites me the most is that Jesus chose to partner with Peter and Andrew. See, sometimes we don't dig into the story of the Word of God enough because we think, well, Jesus needed a boat to talk to the people because there was a big crowd. And it's true. The truth is Jesus used the boat as a platform for the word of God to be taught to the people, but he didn't need the boat. He didn't need the boat. Jesus could have walked on water to preach the message because he could do that, amen? Don't miss this. Don't miss this. 
because this is where a lot of people miss it. Jesus chose what Peter and Andrew had in order to release the fullness of God's plan for their life. And I'm so thankful that God chose to partner with us to accomplish his purpose using what we have. So what we have is we're giving you an Easter egg hunt flyer. What we have, we're giving you an opportunity to serve at an egg hunt. What we have is giving you an opportunity tonight when Jeb, Deb and Jerry teach you how to have a balanced family. See, we're just giving you, why? Because God wants you to use it as a seed for what? A future platform to really begin to impact people's lives. See, I'm so thankful that God has chosen to partner with us to accomplish his purpose using what we have. And notice in Luke 5, after Jesus finished teaching, he gave Peter the unusual instruction. Look at this, Luke 5, 4, launch out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. And I begin to wonder what Peter thought. He probably thought, man, Pete, Jesus, you're a great teacher. You're a carpenter. But man, you know what? I'm a professional fisherman. Don't tread over into my lane. But Peter, instead of answering him by stating his current circumstances, well, Vic, I don't have the time. You know why you don't have the time? Because you say you don't have the time. Well, Vic, I don't have the, the, the experience. You know why you don't have the experience? Because you choose not to have the experience. What I've learned to do is trust in the anointing. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is the empowerment of God in your life. Do you realize that Friday at 11 o'clock to Saturday at 1230, We had three funerals, three funerals, three funerals, all connected to this church. Kathy Tolson, Katerina's mom, Kevin Hole's dad, Shasta Belcher's mom. And people said, how do you do three funerals? I'm going to tell you because you're a believer, the anointing of Christ to bring the same energy and the power. Now, my wife can tell you. I was all fired up. I said, yeah, we're going to go to Columbia after this. And she's like, you ain't going to feel like it. I said, I mean, I feel amazing. But I told her that between the two funerals, so the anointing was there. And I got home. I laid down. I said, no, we ain't going. Because <laughs> the supernatural power of God left, and my natural body was all that was left. It was exhausted. But Peter answered him by stating his current circumstances. Master, we fished all night and caught nothing. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. If he would have stopped there, Peter might have missed and never experienced his true destiny. He might have stayed a fisherman. Many of you today are at the edge of your breakthrough your Red Sea moment. But if you refuse to move past your current circumstances, you're going to miss it. 
Could you be like Peter, facing insurmountable odds against you? Have you been toiling all night and caught nothing? Have you been washing your nets, saying it's over? It didn't work out? See, what I hear the Holy Spirit whispering to you, something different. He's saying, I have something better for you. I have something more for you. If you'll tap into my resurrection power. So we go back to Peter. Peter didn't stop with his current dilemma. We tried all night. It's over. But he went on to say a word. A word that God loves. It's a faith word. We see it recorded many times. And it's connected with overcoming insurmountable obstacles in your life. And the word is nevertheless. Everybody say nevertheless. Sometimes you've got to look at your situation and say nevertheless. Nevertheless, it looks hopeless. But nevertheless, nevertheless, I tried it before. But nevertheless, FLF, you've got to start speaking nevertheless to your situations and your crises and your obstacles and your circumstances and your health and your finances and your relationships and your marriage and your business. Everybody shout nevertheless. Luke 5, 5, Peter said to Jesus, nevertheless, at your word, Jesus, I will let the net down. The key to tapping into the resurrection power this hour for your breakthrough, your Red Sea moment, is you've got to believe Jesus' word to your life. You've got to find a promise in the word of God, whatever that is, and you've got to begin to stand on that promise because one prophetic word from God can shift everything in your life. Everybody say, nevertheless. Whenever God gives you prophetic instructions, obey what he tells you to do. And it may at times seem illogical. And a lot of people aren't going to understand it. But you know what? They're not the ones needing the breakthrough. You've got to believe his word. You've got to obey his voice. And you, at your Red Sea moment, you've got to say, nevertheless, it's pretty illogical for Joshua and the children of Israel to walk around a walled city for six straight days in complete silence. And on the seventh day, the seventh time around the city, to blow a trumpet and give a great big shout. But they had a prophetic promise that the walls would fall down flat and they would take the city. And you know what? It didn't make sense in the natural, but it happened. It, it didn't make a lot of sense. It looked pretty absurd when King Jehoshaphat of Judah said, you know what? We got three armies, massive armies that are getting ready to take us out. But you know what? We're not going to worry about it because what I need you to do, we're going to get the worship team and we're going to get the tech team and they're going to go out before the church and they're going to start praising and singing and leading the way with a bunch of instruments, not weapons, but instruments of praise and worship and adoration and thanksgiving. And all of a sudden, Judah sent those folks out and suddenly they got complete and total victory in their life. It didn't make a lot of sense when David refused Saul's, King Saul's armor in favor of a slingshot and five smooth stones as the weapon of his choice. 
and all he needed, that's all he needed was one stone to go out against the mighty giant warrior Goliath. But miraculously, that stone hit Goliath in the head. David took his own sword, cut off the head. He fell to the ground. All these great feats were, were accomplished through radical obedience. Everybody say, nevertheless. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, God. And right now, some of you are saying, Vic, that's great. It worked in the Bible for those folks, but it ain't going to work for me. You know what? You're right. It's not going to work for you. Because you said it won't work for you. If you don't believe in his resurrection power, you've got to take this moment and reverse your thinking and it'll begin to work for you. How do you know that? Because Satan is a liar. Because God, their God is your God, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Because our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because our God is no respecter of persons. Because if you'll listen to his instructions, you'll obey him with radical obedience, you'll say, nevertheless, then you too will receive something that God has promised for you. Everybody say resurrection power. And it's interesting because notice, when Simon obeyed the instructions of Jesus, it says he, they caught so many fish that the nets broke and the boats began to sink. You own a business? If you have a business, the answer for your business is in his word. Man, if I was a business owner, I would study Proverbs every day. I would study Proverbs and, and Ecclesiastics regularly. If you have a ministry, if you have health, if you have finances, if you have family, the answer is in his word. The answer to every one of life's questions is in the Word of God. That's the answers. But how do you make them so be it? Obedience to His instruction. You have to be obedient to the instruction. And I want to close with this. God knows how to speak your language. God knows how to reach you. Jesus reached Peter through the fishing business. He might reach some of you through your children. He might reach others of you through your marriage. That's how he reached me through my marriage. Your profession, your hobbies. Whatever your language is, God knows how to speak it to reach you. Do you realize God knows everything about you? The secrets you think are secret, they're secrets to me, but not to him. God knows about your lost loved ones that you've been praying for. Don't give up praying because he knows their language too. One of the guys that has always intrigued me is Arthur Blessed and also Billy Graham. They're going to put a picture up of Arthur on the screen and Arthur is a guy who carried a cross all around the world. All around the world. He carried that big cross to bring attention for the cause of Christ. Well, Billy Graham wanted to go witnessing with Arthur Blessed. But they were concerned, security concerns for Billy going out on the street because he's so recognizable. So they said, Billy, you can go with Arthur, but you're going to have to wear a hat and sunglasses. And so Billy went walking with Arthur and they came upon an individual and 
they started sharing the gospel. And the guy says, I don't want to hear anything you have to say. He says, in fact, the only person I will listen to about this gospel is Billy Graham. <laughs> Billy Graham took off his hat, took off his glasses and said, God sent me to you today. God knows what it takes to reach you in your Red Sea moment. And in Luke chapter 5, Peter and his partners let down the net. They caught so many fish that the nets began to break. The boats began to sink. They had to call everybody on around them. When they got done bringing all the fish in, they came into the shore. And this is what I love about Jesus. Peter responded in fear, fell on his knees and said, I'm so sorry, I'm such a sinful man. But Jesus looked beyond his faults because he was after Peter's heart. And in this moment, see, it wasn't the miracle moment with his mother-in-law that changed his life. It was this miracle moment that changed his life. It was this moment in Luke chapter 5, verse 10 and 11, that true destiny was released in Peter's life. His partners, James and John and the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And I wrote here in my Bible, destiny released. Jesus replied to Simon, or we know as Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And they were so impacted on that day that they left everything to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. What about you? What about you? Peter was known for running off at the mouth. But he had a heart for Jesus. Peter was impulsive. But yet, he was the only other man that we know of to have ever walked on water. See, so many of us are pessimists and negative people that we focus, well, Peter took his eyes off on Jesus. And Peter began to sink when he looked at the storm. And Peter did this and Peter did that. Why don't we focus on the fact that Peter stepped out the boat? And that Peter walked on water for a couple of steps. Because, see, the other disciples never knew the thrill of walking on water. Peter knew it, but they never knew it. Peter, I love Peter, because he left the other disciples in the boat as they were arguing if Jesus was a ghost or not. But Peter took action. And the other disciples will never know if they could have walked on water or not because they were too afraid to try. They were too distracted by things that really don't matter in life. And some of you may be afraid to try what the Holy Spirit is wanting you to do, but see how many of us participate in activities and that we feel confident in? That's easy. But why are we so afraid to try the gospel? I mean, we'll join boards and committees and serve. But when it comes to doing ministry, we're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not qualified. I don't know enough. 
Let's be Peter's. Refusing to let fear dictate to us to stay in the boat. Peter had faith. Peter at times was fearful and had weak faith. We can all identify with that. One moment Peter's bold as a lion, chopping off ears. The next moment he's denying Christ before a little girl. Isn't it amazing? He experienced the miracle of walking on water and said, Jesus, I'll never deny you. And I believe in all his heart he meant that. Like all of us do, Jesus, if you just get me through this, then I'll always go to church. I'll serve you. I'll do that. Jesus, if you just get me through this, if you just resolve this one more time, I'll be your man. We can always count on me. And then the until happens, doesn't it? The rooster crows three times. Like it did when Peter denied Jesus the third time. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus will never forget. Jesus, you can count on me. Cock-a-doodle-doo, cock-a-doodle-doo, cock-a-doodle-doo. He said, Jesus. Jesus. And so Peter wept. And yet, what we see in John chapter 20 is a beautiful picture of the mercy and the love and the grace of God that Jesus had for Peter. He set him apart from all the other disciples. Just as Mary Magdalene that we learned about last week, he he set her apart. And he linked these two people's destiny together. Jesus said, hey, go tell the disciples and Peter. Because see, why didn't he mention the other disciples' name? Because Peter needed to know. Peter needed to know that Jesus noticed him that moment. God sent a heavenly messenger to make sure Peter knew that he was still included. He was still complete. He still wanted to be used, even though he denied Jesus. Hey, go tell the disciples and Peter. Go tell my good buddy Peter. I still love him. I still accept him. I forgive him. I want to restore him. See, today, you're to be somebody's Mary Magdalene. Next week, you're to be somebody's Mary Magdalene. And the Holy Spirit's going to say, hey, go tell, go tell, dot, 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 that I still love them. Because they need to know personally from somebody. And right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, it may be you. 
I don't know who you are, but you can hear the Holy Spirit speaking to you. He say, man, I want you into my family. Just give me your past, give me your failures, give me your mistakes, and I'll give you a brand new life. Or maybe you're like Peter, you, you were a Christian, you once walked with Jesus, but somewhere over the last however many weeks, months, years, you've been denying him. But today, but today, you've come home online, in the parking lot, in person, watching later on a podcast. And if you're ready to come home, hey, go tell the disciples, but make sure you tell and put your name in there. And if that's you, just raise your hand right now. Raise your hand up. I'm ready to come home. I'm ready to come back. I'm ready to give this thing a shot one more time. One more time. Father God, I thank you for each person. Each person. Let them experience your resurrection power in a great and amazing, mighty way. And if you're praying that prayer to ask Jesus into your heart, fill out a connect card. There's people up here to pray for you afterwards. Drop it in the black boxes. We just want to help you with next steps. I'll tell you, I even told our staff, I wrote myself a note this morning. I said, man, I want to have the biggest baptism blowout the week after Easter we've ever had. So think about that. I just want, I just, I'm believing because Red Sea is like a picture of water baptism. But give those people a great big hand clap. God bless. Have a great one.